I got a bad feeling about this. Does the newest installment in the nearly 40-year-old Star Wars saga stand alongside the classic trilogy? We're about to find out. You're listening to the official BDL The Force Awakens review, part of a trilogy of one-shot podcasts celebrating the release of Episode 7, The Force Awakens, right here on BDL Radio. Special thanks to our panel for this show, John, Chris, and of course I am Scotty. Welcome, everyone. Thanks. Hey, Scotty. Okay, before we get started, a quick reminder. Two companion podcasts are already online and available for your listening pleasure. If you are passionate about Star Wars, please check those out. We'll shortly dive headfirst into our review of what has become the biggest film in U.S. history. But first, guys, let's talk about why, as grown adults, we are still fascinated with this galaxy far, far away. Why we love Star Wars. Who wants to take it first? Uh, I'll, I'll let John go. New one up. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's. I think it might. I think Empire Strikes Back might have been the first movie I saw in a theater, and it totally hooked right then. And it just you know, given my age, that that was the first one, and we immediately, as soon as you know, you could. I think it was back then. It was Star Wars came back into the theaters, and we saw it again. And that was my childhood. You know, that was that was kind of the narrative that that impassioned me as a kid. And I think what was so great about the original trilogy and the franchise is it kind of matures with you. You know, it, the the story that I thought I was following as you know a five year old, incredibly simplistic and easy for a kid to follow. But then there's all that nuance that that is really geared towards an adult and really complex. You know issues that that are are embedded in all the movies um so that you know when you go back and watch them as a 10 year old as a 15 year old as a 20 year old as a person in their late 30s um you know it it kind of it it catches you at that new age so it's i don't think it's a coincidence that so many grown-up nerds like us you know it's it's (laughs) continued to be a passion for all these years yeah and for me it was really instilled kind of from a young age by my parents, I would say, um, you know, my mother and father saw the original Star Wars over 25 times in the theaters. Um, wow. Kind of a funny story why uh, they were living down south at the time with no air conditioning. And it was, uh, you know, like $1 movie night on Wednesday. So they literally went there <laughs> every Wednesday for those straight weeks, mainly to reap the air conditioning, but also to, you know, <laughs> I'm assuming to see the film at least the first couple of times so that, you know, probably held their interest. But, um, you know, in general, not that not that either of my parents are, are huge sci-fi fans, I would call either of them, but they were definitely, uh, you know, into Star Wars, and that's kind of what got me started on all of it, um, was something that I could kind of share with both of them. Um, and honestly, it's just grown from there, you know, in terms of, you know, all the, all the, you know, like I said, in general, the sci-fi genre, but, you know, this really being, um, you know, kind of the first one of its kind, obviously, as a lot of people felt with, with the way that they were able, really able to uh, developed the story and you know even in terms of the special effects that were revolutionary back then uh, and I think they've just continued along that trajectory in terms of uh, you know keeping fans in keeping up with the times obviously with some of the new ones that are released you know that may debated on it may be debated on a, on a separate podcast but 
you know, that's kind of my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think, I think John, um, I, I'm sort of one film cycle behind you in, in respect to what you were saying that the first star Wars film, I had an opportunity, uh, you know, in, in my age to see in the theater was Re- uh, return of the Jedi. Um, and so, but you know, by then, by 1983, uh, you know the the entire, you know that that entire uh, age group. You know anybody really in their in their, uh, you know uh, mid to late thirties, uh, going on into your you know forties at this. You know now we're at the at the prime age at the time to be just totally enveloped in this in this world that was so vastly different than than really anything else that was out there, and it, it just sort of at that age it just sort of took over your life. At least that's that's my recollection of. Uh, you know what it meant to me at the time, and uh, you know one thing that that I that, you know, think back to that that really uh, sunk its 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 claws into me. You know, as far as Star Wars goes, were the toys. There was nothing like that at the time either. You know, just the the vastness of of the toy line, especially as we got into 1980, 1983, and you know, and the toy line kept expanding. Uh, you know, I'm I'm 35 years old now, so the um, you know the big heavy hitters in terms of animation at the time were Masters of the Universe, um, GI Joe, uh, Thundercats, uh, Transformers. Probably were the big four, uh, at least at least in my group. Um, and, and they all had neat things, and I, I had a lot of those toys as well. But um, I don't know, man. You know, just just that early period. Well, and I, go ahead. And I th- I think a lot of those other toys were inspired by what Star Wars was able to accomplish. It yes. Is, b- both in terms of just commercial success, but also I think in terms of just, you know, what... I mean, if you look at the toys that existed five years before Star Wars, nothing even comparable in terms of like what... Nothing. Nothing. What you could bring out in terms of a kid's imagination. Oh, right. Um, you know, I, I think part of that childhood experience is there was nothing science fiction about it from my point of view that it was real drama like yeah um you know i i firmly wanted to believe that everything that was happening in those movies was was real and was was an actual expression of kind of human drama and human heroism um and obviously it's it's a very far-fetched scenario but it's it's you know those values um you know are are something that you know you you carry with you all your life yeah it's it, it is far-fetched but it's also in a sense it's 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 tangible if that makes sense it mm-hmm. is it is such a it is and this is an overused phrase but it, it is such a lived in world a lived in galaxy you know and i think that's really what makes it so very different from like star trek not that i have anything against star yeah. trek but you know star trek is is more of a slick you know presentation whereas star wars things are dirty things are grimy there's you know this this real true sense of evil, uh, and I think that makes a big difference to to. The- yeah, I mean, I, I, growing up, I always felt like the kids that like Star Trek were into science fiction. The kids that like Star Wars liked westerns with special effects, and, and and that that was kind of the divide that was always there for me. Right. Yeah, I think um, you know you guys got kind of got off on the toy tangent, and I'll tell you, I, I think that's something I kind of missed out as as a kid. Um, couple years younger than you guys still master of the universe was was up there i collected a lot of teenage mutant ninja turtles i don't know if you guys had any of those or if that was kind of past you um i had i think yeah, the star wars uh, yeah, toys I, th- I had several i think that was the last wave of, of toys i was obsessed with <laughs> though chris but yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, so so in terms of Star Wars toys, I didn't have a ton. I mean, I think back, I definitely had had a few, but that's kind of why I'm feeding my addiction now, as, as you can <laughs> see, uh, through, through, through getting back into some of that. <laughs> you know, and I think you just, you, you, you hold on to those things in, in a very sentimental way. You know, in my, um, in my early 20s, I went through a period of, of purging a lot of my old childhood stuff. You know, just, just what had become junk by that point, a lot of toys. You know, I was, you know, becoming an adult um, and so on. But, you know, right now, you know, I have a, my podcasting station set up in my basement here at the house. And I have strung up above my head the um, the original 1977 TIE Fighter toy, um, the original Millennium Falcon. Um, and I have a few other things that are still lying around, a B-Wing, Ewok Village and such. And, you know, those are just things that I, I could not bear to part with. And, and even, you know, at, at the time, you know, uh, 20 years ago or so, you know, when I first started going through that, that period of purging things from, from my, you know, my youth, there was something about those toys. I just didn't want to give up. Not that I would ever really, you know, play with them again in, in that sense, but you, you just, you know, they, they, they had such a connection to that, that other part of your life. And I, I think that's why I've held on to them. It's, it's sort of a romantic thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, good segue to the new movie too because all of my toys are at my parents house in indianapolis and they've been in their basement forever and we've kind of had this ongoing conversation over the years about like you know is it worth keeping them my mom's convinced they're like of infinite value even though they've been opened and you know broken in every which way and like a week before i saw the movie this movie we finally were like, you know, you're clearing out the house. You're trying to economize. Like, we can we can start getting rid of this stuff. <laughs> and then, I, as soon as I saw the new episode, and it, and it reinstilled in me so many of those childhood memories and and stuff that I want my kids to have. I like the very next day I called my mom and I was like, no, 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 I want the kids to be you know be able to play with these toys when they visit your house. So yep. they are uh, they're they're where they've been for for all these years still. <laughs> That's cool. Well, well, sort of segueing it into. Uh, the actual meat of, of why we're here in the first place, the review of, of Force Awakens, Episode 7. Um, guys, what were your, your general takeaways, your, your, the, the main impressions that you had from the film the first time that you walked out of the theater? Go ahead, Chris. Sure. I mean, so for me, um, you know, I think, as we kind of talked about this a little already, Scotty, I just felt that it was a great overall building block, you know, kind of for the next chapter, uh, you know, chapters of, of the story. Um you know, I think where we've talked about, you know, the original trilogy versus the prequels, um, you know, we touched a little bit on The Force Awakens, but really just the fact that it's a whole new game. You know, you're almost back to where you, you know, where you were when you watched A New Hope for the first time, um, you know, kind of not knowing where the story can go, not knowing where it can take you. Uh, and I think that's overall really what I enjoyed most about the film was that it still left me with a lot of questions. It left me obviously wanting more, um, but but really just you know, a general intrigue and a general, um, you know, positive in, in terms of where this could go and where they could build off of it. Just really excited to see where that heads. Yeah, I mean, my, so, so walking out of the theater for the first time, I think there was kind of this nervous sense of like, I really like it. I hope I'm not wrong about this because I'm always <laughs> the guy that whatever I, something about being in a theater, I, I always like what I see in the theater and it's, 
it, there's usually kind of this like come down effect where you know even even the last Indiana Jones I, I saw it with Ort and Craig and walked out and I'm about to talk about how awesome it was <laughs> and both of them completely accurately you know start just trashing this movie and it and it, 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 it makes sense to me after the fact but it takes a little bit of, of decompression so I really really like this and I. I did have a sense that this was probably something where I was going to continue to, to feel the same way, but I was really eager to hear other people's opinions because I, I saw it Friday morning and, and most of the guys mm-hmm. on the boards weren't going to see it until that weekend. And um, so I had this very kind of cautious, like, seem good to me, but, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to hear otherwise. And, um, but, but it, it, it did kind of, kind of, you know, it marinated in my mind, and I think even even if I didn't have all of the confirmation that's there, um, it, it, the more I thought about it, kind of the more just just excited it made me. And I think thinking back to the prequels, which again I liked all of them in the theater, the prequels, the thing that I liked about them was any reference they made to the Star Wars universe that we knew already. And what surprised me about Seven was that. It was the new characters that, that I, I was feeling really passionate about, that I wanted to see the next installment to see what was happening with them. I liked seeing the old characters, but that wasn't what made the movie for me. And, um, and I think that's, that's a sign of, of just how successful this, this can potentially be. Yeah, I, I, I mainly echo everything you guys are saying. Um, I, my, my sense of nervousness was not after the – I get what you're saying, though, John, but my, my sense of nervousness was, was sitting there five minutes prior to the start of the movie, uh, you know, just, just praying to myself, please don't let this suck. <laughs> please don't let this suck. Yeah. Please don't let this suck. And I wasn't the only did one. Either you, <laughs> did either of you see The Big Bang Theory where they went to see The Force Awakens? No. No. If you haven't, even if you're not a fan of the show, uh, it's exactly what you're saying right now. It, it's very – I think you'll find it very amusing. So even if you're not a fan of the show, if you're a fan of Star Wars, I would just recommend the episode where they go see The Force Awakens. I think it's uh, really echoing exactly what we're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and b- b- before we do get any any farther, um, it's probably best for me to say there, there will be massive spoilers in, in this show. So in the off chance that you have not seen the film and you intend to, uh, you need to turn this off right now and, and come back to it later. But with that said, back into yeah, things. What are you doing listening to this? Go to the movies right now. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, was... I don't think anyone listens to BDL podcasts that wouldn't have already seen this movie. <laughs> uh, we, we, we might be the only three. Touche. <laughs> um, but I, I was so... Um, I was so utterly blown away that it, it, it is hard for me to find really much of anything wrong with the film. And, and I, I, I try, I say that while trying to look at, at it as objectively as possible. I, I really mean that. Um, you know, I thought some of the, some of the acting with the older actors, um, you know, the classic characters, Han and Leia, uh, you know, Harrison and, and Carrie, in, in spots lacked a little to be desired, and I'm not just talking about Carrie herself, but you know Harrison Ford actually I thought kind of sleepwalked a little bit through a couple places, but it, it wasn't distracting. Um, but echoing John, what what you mentioned, the the new characters are so strong, they're so strong that you you become immediately invested in their journey. 
Um, and, and I came out of the film just wanting to know so much more. And I, I have been fighting every urge uh, to click on articles that I see online that, that try to delve into, into, into fan theories about certain things, some of which we will actually get into a little bit here as we go along in the show. But I, I've tried to stray away from that as much as possible because, uh, Chris, going back to what you were saying earlier, um, I believe, about the prequels, you know, we knew... We knew where where the story ended for the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, at the opening crawl for *Phantom Menace*, we knew where it was going to end up. Okay, with this new trilogy, we don't know that. You know, episode eight and subsequently episode nine are are completely new territory. We know nothing about what's going to happen, and that is a feeling in a Star Wars film that that none of us have had since the classic trilogy era. You know, just John, as you were saying, you, you saw Empire uh, in in the in the theater. It was the first uh, film you saw at the movies, um, and you you had that experience going into Jedi, and you know now we finally have that again. And I think that is that is my biggest takeaway is just such anticipation for what the future holds for the franchise at this point. And I, I so wanted just fifteen more minutes when when that film ended. Um, <laughs> I, I just I sat there. In, in disbelief <laughs> at the end of the film, just um, I just wanted 15 more minutes so badly, you know, but they ended it in a good spot because it, it's, it, you know, that dangle, they, they left that hook and I thought it was a, a great place to end the film in, in, in hindsight. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And two, yeah, you know, get, two I, takeaways. I, oh, go ahead, John. Well, just real quickly, I'd had like three cups of coffee before I went into that movie, and if it had gone another fifteen minutes, I would have had to have like bladder surgery. So <laughs> I was fine. I was fine exactly where they ended it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two takeaways that I had, and listen, you know, when you talk about, you know, if there were any problems with the movie, I think you know you'll read a lot about what there may have been perceived as, as issues with it. But the only real thing, and you know, I mentioned this in our other conversation that that. Uh, the only thing that, that bugged me a little was was um, when you looked at where Jedi left off and where this movie picked up. The only thing that I you know kind of thought was a little again frustrating and honestly it was over literally two seconds into the movie was just that we were kind of back to square one. You know when you started off with you know the whole Empire and all this kind of thing and they did all this stuff for, you know from a rebellion perspective and they were just kind of back to square one. You know needing the resistance now instead. So again wasn't that big of a deal, uh, but that was kind of my only you know, kind of story or plot line that I think, uh, you know, bugged me a little bit. And then the one other thing was the acting, as you said. And, you know, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if that was intentional, if the fact that, you know, you you said it seemed like the younger actors overshadowed the older actors. And to be honest with you, I don't know if that was a directing choice or not. You know, it might have just been, um, you know, maybe the capabilities of of Carrie, you know, not really the capabilities of Harrison Ford, but, um you know, I think I think they wanted the younger characters to shine, and while they wanted to highlight the older characters and show that this is a transitionary, you know, a transitionary film, um, you know, that might have been intentional. And I think it's kind of true to life too. I mean, you're, you're the the most august characters in our society tend to be the ones that have done and seen a whole lot, but also kind of don't feel the same passions that that younger people do and don't have you know quite the same energy so i I think that Mm -hmm. you know if if carrie seemed a little bit uninvested you know that's probably what a person in princess leia's or general leia's um you know (laughs) 
a- actual character would be like. And um, so the only thing that I didn't like about the movie, it was kind of this. So my two favorite parts, and, and this might be preempting something later, but was the the Millennium Falcon, like their escape, right? When when Ray and Finn meet. It's fantastic. And they're, they're going for the Star Cruiser and it's and, and it, didn't look Absolutely. that, that yeah. special effecty. It just looked awesome, and, and that was uh, blew me away. Yep. And then the the next part that I loved was when the the rebellion attacks. Right when yes. when the first orders, you know, taking you know, looking like they're going to kick some ass. Agreed. Um, the whole you know segment between that, I didn't care for. I, I thought that I thought Han kind of stumbled onto the scene in a, in a really unbelievable way. The whole thing with like the gangs and the like crazy creatures that were out to get them. That was the only part of the movie where I was like, Oh no, I think this actually could be a train wreck. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and luckily, I mean, they rallied and, and, and I think that the rest of the movie was so good that, you know, it's not really damningly bad, but, but it was definitely a low point as far as I was concerned in the movie. The one scene I would add, and, and honestly echoed both of your thoughts on the, the first two that were my favorites. The third was, and I, I hate to use the finale as it, but just the, the, the lightsaber fight in the snow just looked unbelievable to me with yeah. the, you know, yeah. the snow yeah. melting on the faces and the, and the sabers that, that visually just really did it for me, you know, outside of, yeah. you know, some of the implications of what happened in that fight, just visually it was, was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a scene that really stood out to me as one that I, I greatly disliked, John. There there probably is is one, and I'll, I'll probably think of, of one before we, we conclude here. But um, I, I don't think anything, you know, really absolutely turned me off. And kind of going back to, to my other point, um, you know, the criticisms of, you know, a little bit of the acting with, with Harrison and, and Carrie Fisher, um, you know, that, again, it, it didn't at all distract me or, or take me out of the moment. In fact, uh, yeah. I, I have, yeah. I have seen the, I have seen the, the film six times now in the theater. Um, and I, I believe that'll be it for me, uh, <laughs> until April 5th, <laughs> until April 5th, uh, when, when this thing comes out on, on Blu-ray and, and uh, digital. But, um, you know, w- with those criticisms said, you know, now that I know to expect at the end of that, uh, a scene where, where the X-Wing squadron, um, you know, comes to save the day. Now that I know to expect Leia to step off of that transport ship and see Han for the first time that, you know, that we have seen them together on screen since 1983, uh, I start to get a little bit emotional <laughs> now, now that I know to expect that. So th- there's still, you know, criticisms aside, those, those connections for those characters and, and those actors in those roles are still so strong, not diminished whatsoever. Oh, Absolutely. And and I and I mean, I think that I think their their biggest failing was actually just the success of the new characters. I didn't think they did a terribly poor job. I I think that Carrie Fisher isn't the the woman that we saw in the golden bikini sure. thirty years ago. Just like any woman, you know, thirty years later. I thought. I mean, I thought she came across as regal, and it, it, if she had just been cast as the random general, I don't think anyone would have walked away saying, "Wow, she she really, you know, was a, a you know wart on this movie." I think it was just that contrast for for all of these yeah. nerdy boys, her own expectations, yeah, and, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And, and basically, <laughs> like, discovered our heterosexuality when she came out. <laughs> 
that that you know <laughs> yeah in in the, 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 the fact of the matter is thir- 32 years after you know the release of return of the jedi th- this was really just about as 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 good as we could expect from those actors in those roles now i, I think too you know i think it's port- yeah. important to to point that out i mean you know my, my it's not that my expectations were misplaced uh, you know, they 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 met you know most of my expectations, but uh, just a few nitpicks there with with the acting. But that that's all. Yeah. Well, we we've talked a lot so far about uh, in vague terms anyway about about the the new characters uh, introduced in the Force Awakens and how strong they are. Let's 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 transition to talk to talking about you know the the main or one of the main characters of the, of the whole film and. Uh, Obviously, uh, one that we'll see moving forward, and, and her story be told. Um, that being Ray, um, whom I think is man, they they nailed that casting so greatly. Um, you know, Definitely. I, yeah, yeah. I think they, and I, I don't know where they plucked her from. I was not even aware of Daisy Ridley prior to the film, um, but uh, they 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 did a they knocked that one out of the park for sure. Um, just addressing her, the mysterious origin of the character, which is done on purpose, obviously. You know, we're, we're, we'll see more of that unfold in the next film. Um, but let's just talk a minute about that, and you know, of course, the fact that she was abandoned on the planet of uh, uh, Jakku. Uh, I think they said in the film she's what about nineteen years old, supposed to be the character. Mm-hmm. So just judging by the looks of the child, she might have been what maybe five or six when she was left on the planet. Uh, you know, so so you're looking at a, you know, certainly a period of, you know, around 15 years anyway that she has been left mostly to her to her own devices, um, on Jakku. Um, it's it, it's hard to speculate at this point because we know so very little about the character and and where she's going and where she comes from. But do you guys have any general thoughts on where you think that might be headed? My my sense is that it might be left unresolved for a very long time. I, I was I was actually really surprised with Kylo Ren how quickly into the movie they they uncovered his identity. And, and that was the when you think about like with with the original trilogy, so much about Darth Vader was was not revealed until the end of Empire, but even then you had your doubts that so much information was provided on on Ben um, in, in the beginning of this movie that you kind of expected for like Ray's backstory to come in um, shortly thereafter, and and so much evidence was there to kind of make you think that this is Luke's daughter. And I, and part of me while watching the movie thought that that was going to be revealed, you know, before this one was even over. I think they're going to let that sit for a while, and then people are going to expect it to be revealed early in the next movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't know much more than we know right now at the end of that movie. Yeah, I mean, so for me, and I talked about this a little already. Uh, you know, when I walked out of the first the the first time seeing it, I said, "Man, she must be Luke's daughter." And then I started to think about it more, and just thought that you know. That just seems too obvious. You know, I hate to say, like, if it's right. too good to be true or too obvious that that can't be what it is. And, you know, I think I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but, you know, I've been reading a lot online about um, really her origins and how it might be tied to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I thought, you know, again, you know, when you go back and you watch that Force vision as many times as I've seen it, and you hear the two actors that both played Obi-Wan featured in that, 
you know, you just wonder if there's going to be some kind of a tie to that or if it's just really coincidental or it might be the fact that, you know, Obi-Wan knows how to use the force, you know, for guidance. You know, that might be all part of it as well. So, you know, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, theory reading, I'm kind of on the Obi-Wan camp. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it's just something off the wall. You know, um, I don't think she's someone like Anakin that was, you know, created on the Metachlorian. It's not going to get into that conversation. But, you know, I don't, I don't just, know if they're going to go just, down please, that path. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, just the fact that she picked up her skills so quickly and, you know, everybody seems to know who she is. And, you know, even Kylo mentions that she has such power and doesn't know it like. I'm hoping they're leading up to something big, and I'm hoping I'm completely wrong, and it's something that blows me away. I'm hoping that's what it is. But well, well Chris, and j- just to I guess paint a little contrast to your comments um, on, on the Force Vision uh, when she, after she touches Luke's lightsaber for the first time. Uh, Correct. Yeah, yes, there, there are um, there are lines by both actors who played Obi Wan um, that I have been able to detect. There there is also a line by Yoda, and of course there is also an image of someone we can only assume is Luke uh, and, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and R2. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's enough there to not really throw you onto one one path as you try to analyze right. what it means, who she might have connections to. Um, and, and frankly, the, the, the reason that I'm, I'm kind of, I steer myself away from thinking she has a strong lineage connection to, to the Kenobis. Um, is simply the fact that at least up until this point, and you know, and it could change. It may have, might have already changed with Episode Seven. We don't know yet. But uh, you know, to this point, the Star Wars saga films have been about the Skywalker family, and that that is why I, I tip. I really lean toward her having a closer connection to Luke in some way, as opposed. Yeah, that could be Kylo. It, it could be Kylo. Uh, and then you know we get into you know the, the reactions I, I've heard have sort of been fifty fifty split between you know is she Luke's daughter or is she Leia's daughter you know which which mm-hmm. which way does she have that that force connection um, and and of course I have read uh, you know the the theories that you're uh, alluding to there about Obi Wan so I, I guess at the end of the day the bottom line is they they are they are trying to throw kind of throw you off the path a little bit intentionally, which is a good thing. I mean, you don't, it, I think right. it's, it's okay for it to be, uh, you, you know, you, you want whatever reveal is there to make sense in the end, but you know, it's not best for it to be so overly, uh, obvious, uh, as long, but as long as it makes sense. Yeah. You said something. Interesting. I think obviously it's, it's Luke's lightsaber, but who is in possession of that for the longest period of time? Well, that would be Maz Kanata. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> uh, well, it might be close, though. It might be. I, I, think, I, I also think... <laughs> I also think there's like a janitor at Cloud City that apparently found like the arm and the lightsaber that, that is, you know, probably an animated movie that's waiting to happen. But, uh, yeah, really. So I am... Um, Again, in my simplistic, like, just movie-watching, you know, enjoyment, I, I walked away thinking it was Luke's daughter. And and then ever since, I've kind of walked back on that intellectually. And one of the biggest things is that 
unlike in a new hope where where luke is basically you know invested in his aunt and uncle for his own protection ray is kind of just left on her own and and you know not necessarily in a benevolent way so if it's if luke's the father and she's she's you know sent to jakku for for whatever sort of protection it it doesn't really shine that well on on luke because i mean it's it, she's basically being left for dead and and does survive but it, I, I think it's right. I, if he's my, right, my if he's alive, why isn't he there? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And and it, even though there's the new order, I mean, it, it's the world is safe enough for all the other characters to go on with their lives. Like it's it's weird that she would be, you know, just thrown out in the desert. So I I think her background is is something that has not occurred to to anybody up to this point. Well, John, uh, John, I think the flip side to what you're saying, um, you know, if Certainly, no. It would not make sense for Luke to abandon her in that way, and I, I wouldn't expect them or expect that to be the direction here. Um, I, I have considered the possibility of of Ray having been taken from him by some circumstance at at, at, um, at her at her young age, and you know, and th- th- this opens up a lot of weirdness. Anyway, you know. Uh, Jedi's dark side theories for Luke. Yeah, a little bit. You know, Jedi's are not supposed (laughs) to have those sorts of attachments. There's no reason that Luke should have a daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if he has stayed close to the Jedi code, Uh, but you know, it has. It's been 30 years. We don't know what's happened in his in his past um, yet. So, but you know, well, and and not to get too R-rated here, but you have to feel right at the end of Return of the Jedi. People were just having sex left and right. I mean, there there was a huge celebration going on. The rebellion successful. There's some weird Ewok hybrids things, now. Things could have happened. Yeah. Touche. So I mean, and listen, you know, we we're talking about Ray here, but there's a lot of other characters, obviously, that I'm still interested in. I mean, I know, you know, where we left Finn, I think, was very interesting. And to be honest with you, I'd like to see really where that character is going to go. You know, we started off the movie with, you know, him all of the sudden, you know, not being able to fight and, you know, all these conversations about, you know, not showing any prior conformity and something happened. So, you know, I wonder if they're going to get into that story because it doesn't seem like any of the other, you know, first order troopers are having that kind of thing. So I wonder if it's going to be, uh, you know, some kind of a story about, you know, what, what his potential origins might be. Well, Chris, would you consider Finn to be... Um well, I was about to ask if you consider Finn to be maybe your favorite of the new major characters. I, I, I guess we would slot him into the major, um, yeah. into the major category. Um, we probably would. Um, I, I, yeah, I still would probably lean towards Poe. I really liked Poe as a character, but you know, Finn's definitely up there for me. Cool. And John, what would be your take there? What, what do you think is your favorite new major character in the saga? You know, I mean, it's funny because. As much as I like the new characters, I struggle to identify one, at least to the good guys, that, that stands out as my favorite. And I think part of that is that I think the interaction between the new characters is, is kind of what makes the film. So it's, you know, it, it's hard to narrow down one person. I, um, I, I think Finn was a great character. I think Ray was a great character. Something about Poe, just sort of the bravado there. It, yeah. it reminded me more of the original trilogy than anything else. In fact, that scene we were talking about when the when the X wings come in, you know, over the water. Yeah, and Finn's, po, and Finn's po watching says, him. Yeah, yeah. 
posted something like, you know, let's not be scared of these thugs or something like that. And it reminded me of it as a kid. My mom always says this, that like whenever she watches Star Wars, there's like 10 lines that just like, like she recognizes immediately because they're the lines that I was down in the basement playing with my toys. And I kept repeating those lines over and over again while I'm playing. And that was the, and it, it, as I was watching it in the theater, I thought to myself, that's like, that's one of those lines. That's one of those lines that I'm going to hear like my kids, you know, saying when they're playing. And, um, just something about that kind of like dashing hero character. Um, I, I really liked, I feel like there was nothing like that in, in the, in the, the new trilogy. He's the Han um, Solo character of these. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think and, that's, and listen, you know, yeah, go, ahead. Go, ahead. Go, no, go ahead, Chris. I was, I was going to say, I mean, listen, I think we're leaving Kylo out of this and I really did enjoy, uh, you know, the acting of that character. I think the reason I wouldn't say it my favorite is just because I really want to see where it's going to go. You know, I think, I think where that character goes will determine ultimately how I feel, um, you know, about about the character or whether or not it's my favorite. But I think, you know, I think we kind of know where Poe's going to go. And, I, you know, I'm excited for that. But I think, you know, the Kylo story will really decide whether or not that becomes a character that I, you know, think is done well or not. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, that, yeah. I, go ahead, John. <laughs> no, I, I was just saying, I, I think in terms of of the conversation we just had i, I thought that was limited to the the good guys <laughs> uh, kylo was was I, I think just phenomenally well done i think that there's so much complexity there and so much they they somehow managed to have all of the things that make a really intimidating scary bad guy but also this really kind of vulnerable, broken adolescent at the same time. And I kept thinking, I mean, one, just as, as a standalone character, I love it. I also kept thinking to myself, God, if only whoever had written this character had been working on, you know, one through three. And if only Adam Driver had been playing <laughs> Anakin in one through three. Um, I feel like we've I had really this conversation, like Scotty. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure, maybe not verbatim, but I'm pretty sure I have uttered those exact words within the last week, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally, totally agree. Um, Kylo, to me, is such a compelling, compelling character. And I do agree with Chris. You know, it, it, a lot depends on on where we see that character go. But based on what we've seen so far, I, I don't expect it to disappoint. Um, Not me either. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, and I think part of that is is the casting. Well, as far as the whole film, you know, these characters we're talking about, I think they nailed casting just hands down. Uh, I, it's difficult for me to find a criticism of of any of the acting for the main characters. Uh, the, I mean, BB-8 of the maybe. Crop. Maybe. <laughs> But you know, Kylo, um, it's just such such a great character, and you know, we see that that inner struggle in him uh, in a way that John, to your point, and in, in what I have mentioned earlier, in in the same way that I wanted to see the struggle in Anakin in episodes two and three in the prequel films, and of course, they attempted to pull that off, but it just did not work well. Um, yeah, but but with Kylo, they, they they knocked it out of the park. I thought. Well, and, and I felt like, you know, where where he is developmentally, is like you, you, at the end of three, you know, Anakin puts on the mask, and then you jump to four, where where Darth Vader is this established bad guy. It's almost like like Vader at like three and a half. 
you know, like like he already has the new persona, but he's still struggling right. with that past identity. And so it's it is kind of this window into what's a really long, you know, gap in the in the original six, um, and and brings out a lot of these conflicts that you know are kind of implied, but you never you never actually get a witness to them in person. Yeah, I think that was very much on purpose, and I think also the unmasking of Kylo in the film was um in in probably done to to prevent there from being so many comparisons to Darth Vader uh in in yeah. this movie you know we we see two very two characters uh, at very different places you know we never really not really saw Anakin slash Vader at the point that Kylo is now not not really and um I, I think that's done on purpose and I, I very much I thought the execution was great. I would argue the one time we see Vader is the end of Jedi, where it would be the only time in my mind where it'd be similar, where you've gone to the dark and getting pulled to the light. Right. That would be it. Right. Did it did it take you guys all out 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 of the moment when when he first removed the mask? Because I tell you, I, I made a point not to read any spoilers whatsoever? Me either. Uh, yeah, pri- same. Prior to the film, so I, I lit except for the broad strokes uh, of you know the plot of the film, and I mean very broad strokes. Um, I, I knew absolutely nothing about it going in, and th- that was done on purpose. I didn't want to know. I wanted to have that first time experience. Uh, so when he removed the mask, it 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 actually very much surprised me, um, and I was. Maybe for sixty seconds, I was somewhat unsure of what I was seeing, <laughs> but but as the film as the film went on and, and we saw other scenes with him unmasked and his, uh, you know, the way he carried um, carried himself and his his vocal presentations, um, it, it really won me over quickly. Yeah, I think it was. A nece- yeah, I, mean, I think it was necessary. I mean, for me, and I think- you know. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I really think it was a necessary part of the movie. Because, you know, like you just said, with not wanting to make the exact comparisons to, to, to Vader, you know, clearly he tailored his look after it and really wants to establish himself that way. Right. Uh, but it was important to show that he's not there. You know, he's not on that level. You know, not even to the fact of, obviously, because Darth couldn't really take off the helmet, but, you know, more of that we needed to see him more, you know, humanized than I think Darth Vader was, in, you know, obviously in that in the original trilogy. Well, and I, and I just, I feel like not so much the first time he took off the mask, but the fact that he repeatedly takes off the mask, there's something so adolescent about that, or almost even, I mean, Scotty, from from our experiences, toddlerish about that, you know, like, like <laughs> he, he can't keep this thing on for very long, and, you know, he's fully committed to this persona, but then he walks away from it for a couple seconds, um, and plus, and plus, add, add central... right, add, and, and and add the tantrums, and and you have you right. have the very exactly. <laughs> you have that it very a lot of parallels there. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't like how I did love that scene, father, but... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where he goes to town on so... that console. Though we talked about that, I love that. Uh, it's, it's great. <laughs> um, Anything else? And, and I just I, I think that that part of the character, and then. I think we posted on those boards, but the 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 skit they did on SNL with like the undercover boss, I thought that was like such a nice portrayal of that character and just sort of the the insecurities that actually do exist. Where he's introduced in such Dude, a strong Matt way in the film. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's introduced in such a strong way in the film, and there's so many parallels to Vader that you kind of, you know, after the first ten minutes of the movie, you're like, okay, this is the new kind of unflinching badass, and and they they put it to such a twist that I just I I, I that was my that that part of the the narrative is is my favorite of of anything else. Backing up just a second before before we move on, uh, I, I do want to make the point that I, I feel like that Poe, uh, talking about new characters, I, I feel like Poe probably will be the breakout character of Episode Eight in terms of his role. Uh, I mean, his, his role in Seven was was out, you know he he served a very good purpose, um, a very functional purpose, and, and I, I think he's a great character. But um, I think they will utilize him in a more significant way. Um, in in the coming two films, or at least in in the in the coming film, um, so I agree very much with you there. But let's let's talk too about the the more minor new characters that were introduced in Episode Seven. Uh, do you guys have a specific character uh, that that played a smaller role that you were most intrigued by? Well, your your white whale, probably General Hux, right? Is for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought Maz was a really intriguing character. You know, I think. Um, not to say that there was that much to it, you know, it's kind of a shorter role, but I feel like that's something they're going to build off of. Um, you know, can't, I can't help but think that she looks a little bit like Yoda, <laughs> not obviously in the same tune, but you know, similar stylization, that kind of a thing. She's, so she's I think it really, yeah. yeah, she does have a different number of fingers, which I even <laughs> did notice while watching the movie, just in case, you know, they were going to go down that path. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the one that could really build on some of the lore and obviously expect them to expand on the fact on how she had the lightsaber and, you know, kind of her involvement in the whole uh, overall plot. I would assume that to be, um, you know, of some importance. Yeah, going walking out of the film the first time, um, if you would have asked me this question, I would have said General Hux. I, I really enjoyed his character, you know, a very, uh, not really a Tar- Tarkin character per se. You know, he, he's so much younger than, than we saw Tarkin in, in A New Hope, but... Still, sort of plays that that same role. Um, go, going on is Phasma. Um, no, no, Phasma was underutilized, but I, I suspect yeah. I suspect that'll be rectified going forward. Um, the, gotcha. the, the the more times that I have seen the film, I have started to lean toward agreeing with with your assessment here, Chris. And Maz has become more and more intriguing to me. Um, the, the more times that I have seen the film. And I'm not sure, I can't put my finger exactly on why that is. Um, at first, you know, the, the first time I watched it, she was actually sort of a, I don't want to say a negative mark, but it, it was not up there on the list of things I would have praised uh, coming out of the film for the first time. But she she has really grown on me in a, in a way and again i can't put my finger on why she's uh she's very mysterious we know very little about her almost nothing about her um you know but but comments like she she's not uh, and i i forget exactly how she puts it this is not verbatim but you know she she's not a jedi but she does know the force and well how does she know the force and why does she have yeah. luke's lightsaber and there are so many unanswered questions there, and I think her path is going to be a very interesting one to to follow. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, and I think so. kind of st- sticking with the same character, I, I had the same first reaction, and I think just the optics of her reminded me of about ten different characters from from one through three, and and 
And, and again, as I said, that was kind of the, the phase of the movie where I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this is really going to meet my expectations. The first time I saw her, I kind of expected this to be like, okay, here's this kind of funny looking character that's going to say some like presumably wise stuff that isn't really that important, like we saw <laughs> a lot in one, three, one through three. Um, the second time I saw it, the more thought I gave to her character, you know, it, it, it is, there's sort of Yoda-esque wisdom connecting the the different storylines there which which is from a storytelling point of view is really important i also just the way that one just the relics of luke's that she has but then also when she when she says i can't remember what the what the actual quote is but there's sometimes she references luke and there's just a ton of familiarity and affection there that i think that there is there's something about Luke's new backstory that that she's she's tightly connected to, and I, I think that's going to be interesting to see unfold. Yeah, and I liked her interactions with Finn as well. You know, I think just just telling him that you know she's not Ray on the journey, you know, all that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> perfect, you threw me off. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that was just a nice aspect. Um, you know, of it just to show that it's it's not just towards Ray, but even towards Finn, just in general, the new character. So I thought it was uh, an interesting, Wait, interesting which, which, touch. And I think for me, when than... I first saw the character, yeah, the voice was what got me at first. I'm like, I, that, it didn't seem right, but it's grown on me. <laughs> well, and I, and I think that she's she's Yoda esque. But the one thing about Yoda is, we in the in the original trilogy only ever see him interact with Luke and he's kind of myopically focused on Luke's development. You know, she has a very impactful relationship with Finn, with Ray, with Han, and presumably with Luke, all in a pretty short part of the movie. So I mean she she definitely and Chewie. is part of the wider and Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, she, she definitely loves has a that wider net than, than Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Uh, before we move on, just a couple more things about Ray. Um, what what do you make of the criticism um, that you probably have heard just floating about about the fact that the her her force well I won't say her force powers but her her rea- her realization of her force powers um, comes on so fast and so strong. I, so two things. One, I think that. This movie, and I think this new trilogy, is is made for the fans, and I think one of the nods to the fans is the fact that the characters in the movie know what's happened before. They they know more about the Force than than Luke did in A New Hope, and they know kind of the 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 storyline that that has come up to the, this point, and even to the point of like kind of revering the older characters and and all that. And I, and I think that's kind of an acknowledgement of the fact that most of the fans watching these movies are also so immersed in, in what's happened before. So the fact that, you know, the, the, not even the lightsaber scene, but when she's in captivity and she uses, you know, the Jedi mind tricks to get the, the guard to drop his weapon. Well, that would have never occurred to Luke to do without somebody telling him to do it first. And she, and she obviously has either seen that or comes up with it on her own. And I think, that comes from living in a world where, you know, some of this stuff is known, whereas it, it wasn't in the original ones. Um, the lightsaber scene, you know, I, I think she probably is given 
more power early on than we would have expected. And we can talk about if that's because she's something extra special that's going to be revealed in the next movies, or if it's just because they wanted to have a great lightsaber scene and for expediency's sake, they made her good with it. Um, the one thing that I did catch that I, I don't think I'd picked up on in the first, the first time that I saw it, um, Kylo is, is shot right before that and he's bleeding and he's, he's, he's right. wounded. Right. So he's probably not at, at his best either. So I think you could also argue that, you know, this maybe is not Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. This is, this is kind of more the, the B squad, but, um, I don't know. Yeah. So, so for me, I was, I was okay with the lightsaber scene. And I think that was because the two, well, one thing you just mentioned was that he got shot by the bowcaster. And then secondarily, it was the fact that he had just kind of obviously, again, spoiler, gone through killing his father and probably just was not in the right mind. Um, So, you know, I think for me, that's kind of how that scene progressed for me. Um, But yeah, in terms of the getting out of the shackles and having Daniel Craig drop his gun on the way out, um, (laughs) I I thought it was that seemed too fast for me. And, And, you know, you know, if you want to look at it in terms of movie time, it was probably 20 minutes earlier she had heard uh, you know, that it was real, you know, everything's actually real from Han Solo. And then 20 minutes later, you know, she's, uh, you know, able to do this as good as Obi-Wan, do, you know, did with the, <laughs> these aren't the droids you're looking for. So um, I just have a feeling that they'll explain that. And I think that's what I, that's what I want, you know, so if I get an explanation of that, and, and it makes sense to me, I will be very happy. If not, then again, it's something that might bug me, but not something that's going to deter me from, you know, enjoying the movie or anything to that degree. Yeah, I, I don't know. It it never really bothered me that much. You know, you you have to suspend quite a bit of disbelief in in order to enjoy any any type of fiction. You know, this of this kind in the first place. And you know, for that matter, I, I don't think that 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 force powers shown this way or or being used, whether whether they're intentionally using them or not. I don't think that there's not precedent for that in. In, in the films, uh, you know, we, we see we see Anakin as a boy, uh, you know, be the the only human being who can operate a pod racer in a podcast um, podcast <laughs> hard, in, hard. A podcast? In, in a pod race. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> and, and we see, you, you know, we, we see Luke um, dodging droid fire on the Millennium Falcon via the, the, the training droid unit. You know, within uh, ten minutes of holding a lightsaber, uh, blind, you know, blindfolded. So um, I don't think that there's not precedent for those sorts of things, and it. I, I guess that's why it doesn't bother me all that much. Uh, the scene with with the stormtrooper in in the um, holding cell, um, that, that's probably where it borderlines on on, you know, taking you out of the moment a little bit, Chris. Uh, in that in that way, I agree with you, but. Um, as far as a strong criticism, yeah. it, it really doesn't bother me. No, I agree. Well, sticking with Ray, one more point here. Um, what are your opinions on on her Force flashback, flash forward, um, whatever we want to make of the vision that she has when she grabs the saber in the first place? Uh, just in just in a general in a general sense, what 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 does it mean? Do, do you think is that just? Uh, I guess first question. The first time I saw the film, I assumed that everything we were seeing was a flashback. After subsequent viewings, I'm honestly not sure whether it's only a flashback or whether there are actually flash forwards included <laughs> in that vision as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see as we go forward. Yeah, well, I mean, and for me, I, 
I I hope we get more of that flashback. You know, I think a lot of that was back to when, you know, you had the whole Knights of Ren. Um, and that's really, honestly, the storyline that I'd really like to hear more about and see how that kind of, you know, the whole disappearance of Luke started. So, you know, I think for me, even seeing that, it just made me want to know more of that story. Uh, but in terms of the importance, I mean, I definitely think there was some flash forward in that. And, um, you know, I, I'm kind of going to leave it up to my own imagination because I, I really don't know where it can take us. Uh, but it was definitely a very interesting piece that I think will uh, add to the story. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, again, it's it's quick. And I've, I I do kind of hope that it's something that gets sort of filled in as, as they go forward in the movies. Um, I, I wonder how much of it is Ray's memories versus how much of it is the lightsaber's memories. And, and and so if if there are things that you know, she point. necessarily saw or, or things that, that the lightsaber had gone through um because the first time i saw it i really thought that these were this was ray kind of kind of for the first time remembering what had had taken her to jakku and then the second time i saw it where, where it is much more complicated and there's so much content in such a short period of time um you know it it, it certainly seems possible that, that these are things that that happen sort of outside of her her own experiences yeah, because the part with Luke, you're right. I mean, that's really what's up to debate, whether or not she was there when that attack happened or, um, you know, that was just the lightsaber being there. But, you know, the thing is, though, Luke wouldn't have been in possession of the lightsaber, which I think is what's interesting. Right. So he wouldn't have been in possession of that, that lightsaber when he would have been attacked by Kylo, if that's the way the story goes. <laughs> This is this is to- totally off base here, but speaking of a lived-in world, don't you guys just love the fact that Jakku is pronounced like six different ways by six different characters throughout the film? <laughs> yeah. And t- I'll tell you, I still want more of that backstory too. You know, because I think you know, obviously, as I as we talked a little bit, um, you know, I think there's a lot more that went on there. Obviously, with the fall of the empire, so that's all stuff I would love to get more information on from a movie perspective. I, I just I loved and particularly like in the build up to the movie, like like in all the, the trailers, the like down starship and the, the ad act that's mm-hmm. on its oh, side. Yeah. X Wings, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. You know, that 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 whole kind of living in this world that's sort of in the aftermath of, of this huge war. Um, I, I just I, I thought just the optics of that were, were amazing. Oh yeah. Vis- it's vi- the film is visually stunning. It re- it really is. Let's uh, let's let's talk more about the dark side. We've already talked about Kylo, um, the other major character um, from the perspective of the dark side, Snoke. Um, maybe the most mysterious character in the film. Uh, lots of fan identity theories floating about there, and I'm just going to read through a few of these, and you all tell me what you think. Okay, these are actual fan theories. Uh, some of them, I think, are plausible. Others, not so much. Um, the first being Darth Plagueis. I, I don't see that being a realistic way for them to go. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, Plagueis would have been alive during a much different time. And I know they talked about the whole, you know, not dying and all that kind of thing. Um, I've seen art of him before, and that's not really the look. Not to tell you that that'll have anything to do with it, considering, number one, it's a hologram. So you don't even really know what they look like. And number two, it's not that any previous art or, you know, conceptuals would have anything to do with what the actual character was. In my, I guess in my, the way I see it going, I just don't think that's the way. But again, I don't have any strong, uh, you know, strong support for that. Not that anybody does, but. 
Well, and I think just from a more practical sense, it seems like they've been very eager to avoid continuity from from one through three. And I think to, to yeah. go back and, and, you know, cherry pick a character that's that's brought up in three that doesn't I mean, like, as far as we know so far, like, there's really not much relevance to that backstory in in the new movie. So I um th- that's the one where I was kind of like, well, I think somebody just wanted to throw out a name <laughs> and, and, and that's that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you, you might be right. I mean, and I think really Plagueis. Uh, I, I thought was the most plausible of of existing characters who who could who could uh, who, who Snoke could be, you know. But it, it's it's entirely possible and maybe probable that Snoke is an entirely new character um, who, whose backstory, whose identity, uh, will be totally brand new to us when when we learn more about him. Um, you know, I thought the the connection, possible connection to Plagueis, might make more sense than most theories, due to the simple fact that the character, although we've never seen him on screen before, he has been established in the film, uh, in the film world. You know, you, you just take take, you know, put put the books, the novels, video games, you know, set all that aside. Obviously, most of it is not considered canon any longer anyway. Um, but just from back characters from the films, he does exist, at least, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 he has been talked about, certainly, in uh, episode three, uh, when Emperor Palpatine, uh, well, not at the time, um, mm-hmm. uh, Chancellor Palpatine, described this Sith master, this Sith Lord, uh, who had death-defying power. Um, of course, as he is telling Anakin about Sith powers, and so on and so forth. Um, that sort of leads into the next theory, and that is that Snoke is in fact Emperor Palpatine, due to the fact. Yeah, I mean, due to the fact yeah. that 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 Palpatine uh, somehow Sidious, yes, Sidious, <laughs> somehow mastered the um, the the power to keep himself from dying, just as Plagueis had done. All those years before, and of course, we learn later that Sidious was the apprentice to Plagueis. So, you know, it's kind of a it's it's a little bit of a jump. But um, thoughts? I would think that if if Snoke is an existing character, that's who he would be. So, to me, I think he's a new character. But if he's not, that's the only one that would make somewhat sense to me. Yeah, I mean. I, I I don't feel that way. I um, I'm not sure why the emperor would would take on a totally new identity in this respect. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't know. I I, I just it, it doesn't seem plausible to me. And I, I'm not. I, yeah. Just, I, yeah. Like I said, I think it's a new. I do think it's a new character, especially because they don't even really talk about Sith. I mean, all that's kind of over. You know what I mean? We would be talking right. about all that kind of stuff, and I think they don't really make any mention to that. Um, you know, implying that, that that Snoke is not a Sith, implying that Kylo is not a Sith. You know, that that's a very good point. That that is a very good point. Uh, and I don't think at any point in the movie Kylo is even referred to in that in that context, is he? Nope. Not even doesn't no. even have the title of Lord. Right. Um, another theory. Or Darth. I'm sorry, I meant Darth. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lord Vader. Another theory. Yeah. S- speaking of Lord Vader, Anakin Skywalker. I, I honestly of, of of the the others that we've discussed, <laughs> I I find it more plausible than than the other two. But I really? I, I tend to agree with Chris. I, I think he's probably a new character. I, so the second time I saw it, the the scar on his forehead. Yep. Reminds me a lot of, of Vader when he takes off the mask at the end of, of Jedi. And, and that's really I what think, people have pointed to in that theory. And then couple that with the fact that, you know, well, Palpatine, Palpatine talks about, you know, the ability to bring people back from the dead. He doesn't really imply that, that he knows it. He knows Anakin's it. the one yeah. that's, that's right. super, super interested in it. So, I mean, it's, it's plausible that it is something that, that Anakin learned at some point. And then just coupled with Obi-Wan's ability to, to, you know, transcend death and communicate past. I mean, it, it sort of has the sense of, of when Obi-Wan would come back and talk to Luke as, as that being sort of Vader doing that now with Kylo. I, I, again, I'm not, I mean, I find it more plausible than, than some of the other alternatives. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't find it very plausible. <laughs> but the implications would have to be that Kylo doesn't know. Because I guess my point is, you know, you know, he sits there and you know talks to, you know, not you know talks to Vader's helmet. I guess I could say in terms of, you know, asking for guidance. Wouldn't he just ask for guidance from Snoke then? Right. Or unless right. he doesn't know that's the that's the case. But I, I guess here's the thing that really turns me away from this particular theory, and that is the fact that at the end of Jedi, of course, we see a. You know, we see Anakin Skywalker in Force Ghost form, who has presumably re-embraced right. the, the light side of the Force. Now, how do you how do you how do you how do you meld those two things together in this theory? I don't I don't know that you can. I don't know how you can. Right, and I think there was also a lot of implications that that communication from you know the other side of the Force was a light side, you know, ability. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, another theory. Snoke is a secret fourth apprentice of Darth Sidious, or Palpatine. Of course, he had Darth Maul, Count Dooku, Darth Vader, and then a secret fourth apprentice we never knew about on screen. Uh, And that apprentice has become Snoke and has risen to power. Meh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Same. Boring. <laughs> and last one. Yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> he doesn't have the hair. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so let's get to the segment probably that most folks listening to this have been waiting to hear, I would imagine, at least most of those who are big fans of the classic trilogy. Han Solo's death um, will go down, no question, as the most memorable moment in The Force Awakens. I don't think there's any much argument there whatsoever. Uh, your initial reaction to, to Han's death, did, did you expect it? Um, did you think it was done well? I, 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 I kind of... You're up, John. Um, for about a minute before it happened, I... I saw it coming completely um i i think i mean i i think it was done in a way that 
probably puts Kylo Ren across the line where where there's kind of there's not much hope for for any regular redemption there. And I think in terms of just the the screen time, I think you kind of had to get rid of Han Solo just just to make the new characters kind of kind of have their own identity, their own their own authorship of of what happens next, and and to pay them so, more than and to pay them more than peanuts in the next two movies, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it's it's I, I as soon as I heard that Harrison Ford was going to be in this movie, I kind of expected that we were going to see Han's death, just just kind of for those reasons. Um, you know, I, I think that I think it's probably for the best, and I also think that as it's kind of been alluded to, like his acting is not the greatest in the world anymore. So I, I think anything that gets him off the screen probably is an improvement for the films. Um, in terms of my, my emotional investment in, in the franchise. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's to, to see that character that, that has had such an impact on, on the series, um, you know, to, to see how he, he ends up dying. Um, you know, it's, it's super emotional, but I, I, I think it was, it was, well done and well timed. Yeah, I mean, I felt it was a really important, obviously, plot line for the movie, but I think, you know, obviously important for, you know, the Kylo character and just the Star Wars, uh, you know, story in general in terms of following the whole father and son, uh, you know, struggles. And I, I think that, to me, was was what really made it important. And, you know, I, I did see it kind of coming, you know, not necessarily from thinking about him being in the next two movies, but more of just... You know, as I watched the movie and as that scene kind of unfolded, um, I felt that was the way it was going to go. In terms of the way it was done, I actually, I thought it was done really well. You know, I think it worked perfectly with the, you know, the light, you know, getting, you know, going out from the sun. And, you know, it seemed like there was, when it was still light, there was a chance for him to turn. And then as soon as it went out, you just knew, like, that was it. And I just really enjoyed that kind of whole transition. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the, of kind of my favorite shot from jedi where you see luke there with you know you know hiding in the dark but you know half of his face is light and half of his face is dark it reminded me of that a little bit but uh you know i really yeah. enjoyed the way it, the visuals worked on it, that. it reminded me a lot of obi-wan's death too mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i mean less on obi-wan only because i felt obi-wan was trying to make his purposeful and i don't know you know again with the whole viewing of it but you know i think han was truly trying to save his son um you know, not expecting to die where I think Obi-Wan was, but you're right from the perspective of all the other characters kind of being, yeah, um, you know, impacted by, by witnessing it. Yep. Um, Han's death, unfortunately was the, was the only area of the movie that I, I you cried. No, <laughs> no, but I, I, I very much expected. So it, it was the one moment of the movie that, um, you know, when I went it, when I went into it for the first time, uh, you know, if, if I were to had placed betting odds on any one thing happening in the force awakens, it would have been the death of Han Solo. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that of course is from, you know, the, the years of interviews that Harrison has done, you know, stating that he had, to, he had tried to talk George Lucas into killing off the character in, in Jedi, um, to, to give that, that character a, a death, um, so on and so forth. It, it's it's really no secret how he felt about where that character should go, and that he should die on screen. And so when the um, when the classic trilogy actors were announced, uh, there was very little doubt in my mind that that's the direction that they would probably go. Um, 
with all of that said, Chris, you actually hit on one thing. Um, one of my couple notes here that I had down for this that I had down for this uh, segment, and that was the the lighting in this scene mm-hmm. was just outstanding. Um, the the drain, you know, the the, the, the drained sun. Uh, right. That really worked perfectly. It it, it really did, and. Yeah, I would say that that scene, meaning you know, not in terms of the storyline, but that that visualization, um, that, and I think the the scene where you saw Kylo standing on the bridge of one of the destroyers, and the uh, you know the weapon kind of moving across the screen, um, I think those two for me, just visualization wise, were really the best. Yeah, too, and and you know the the lines in this scene, um, this may not be verbatim, but. Um, uh, uh, Kylo's, what was it? W- will you help me? You know, will you help me accomplish this? What I have to do? Of course, Han didn't know what Kylo was alluding to at that point. But um, right, I, I really, I'm in so much pain. Right, yeah, all the all those lines. Yeah, I, I really felt that this particular scene, uh, this particular scene, elevated the whole movie to to another. You know, I, I might give it a whole other star on a five star scale just due to this scene alone. I thought it was that it was done that well. Um, and, and I thought it, that it, it most, it most displayed the, um, the difference in, in the level of writing and editing uh, and storytelling between episode seven and hopefully what we will see in, in the rest of this trilogy compared to the prequels. Uh, you know, great contrast. What did you think about Chewie's reaction? I, I know that that has been talked about as sort of a, a criticism that I have read, read online here and there that that he didn't that he didn't show enough suffrage, you know, internally. Yeah. But I, you know, he they they made a they made a a point to show him cry out loud in his Wookiee yeah. way, um, <coughs> and then have the moment. After that, I think battle. he could have headshotted him. <laughs> <laughs> Chewie's a bad shot. Trilogy over. Trilogy <laughs> over. <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't. You know, I, I just I, I look at Chewie and, I, and he, he's not a human being. He, he's of another race. I thought it worked fine. I thought, I thought it, it did too. You know, I, I did too. He, he reacts differently yeah. than than a human being would in his own way. I, I don't. I don't see what problem there is to have with that but that, nah. that's just me i just liked him wrecking, well, and, and again, wrecking the troopers and then blowing the blowing it up <laughs> <laughs> and, and again that that's part of what reminded me of, of obi-wan's death is that you kind of have this one like cataclysmic emotional moment but there's still a battle going on and so there's kind of that that like forcing yourself to to have this spurt of emotion but then to, to kind of keep on and 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 go on with the mission okay of course where where han's death occurs is on Starkiller Base, where they have infiltrated uh, toward the end of the movie. What were your general impressions of this super weapon, this this base? Of course, uh, you know there, there's been a little bit of controversy, I think, with its it being compared to the Death Star, rightfully so. Um, but uh, set that aside for just a moment, and what were your what were your thoughts on on that element of the movie? That's not I, how the Force I, I thought- works. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I think the fact that it was on a planet made enough of a difference in terms of the way that it was destroyed and the way that that plot unfolded from from either Return of the, Return of the Jedi or, or A New Hope that, you know, it's obviously the, the ability to destroy a planet or a solar system is, is, you know, a parallel that was intentional. But I didn't, I mean, I was not offended by the comparison. And, and I think that the one thing that you don't see in any of the previous movies is them actually land on the Death Star and, and sort of take it out from the inside like they, like they do. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's obviously, you know, a throwback to the Death Star, but the Death Star was pretty successful as a, as a, you know, plot pinpoint. Um, so I think it's probably wise to, to, you know, use what works before. Yeah. I mean, sure. Are there similarities? Absolutely. But I think there was enough differences that for me, uh, it made it different. You know, I enjoyed, um, you know, the fact that they could incorporate kind of the outdoor scenes, uh, you know, yeah. you know, you know rem- reminiscent of a little bit of Hoth, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, I enjoyed kind of those aspects of it for me. So I think it kind of combined the Death Star stuff with some of the stuff I really enjoyed from Empire. Um, so I, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I, I echo, John, what you said. Uh, there there were enough differences. And it was, you know, we, we've seen so many different worlds and planets uh, throughout the course of now seven Star Wars movies that – you, you sort of have to start recycling something. You know, what 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 types of terrains have we not seen? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to to have to have scenes set on a on a desert. S- on a have s- there been any <laughs> deserts? No, no, no. Maybe, maybe that's that's the one. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you know, you know, there there have been, I, you know, it it didn't remind me of Hoth in that way. It didn't. You know the the only the the only ways that it really shared a, a great uh, uh, I, I guess the comparison to the Death Star is is more symbolic, um, but just in the fact that it was round and that it had a a built in weapon that could destroy a planet. But I don't, I don't know. I, I again I think I think that's really um, it's being kind of you're, you're you're looking for something to complain about if that is really that much of a problem for you. You're, you're, you're sort of looking for problems at that point. Um, I didn't have an issue with it, but something that, that I guess what has been, and we'll, we'll, we need to touch on this before we wrap things up. The, the single biggest criticism of the film that, that at least I have heard has been the comparisons of the force awakens to episode four, a new hope and Starkiller base being, being part of those comparisons, of course, being compared to the to the Death Star itself, um, I'm going to be completely honest. The the first time that I walked out of the theater, having seen The Force Awakens, it didn't even occur to me. You know, of course, now after multiple viewings, you know, sure, are there similarities between the two films? Th- there's no doubt that there are, but it, it wasn't so um, over. It wasn't so overdone that it took me out of the moment at any point during that first viewing. It wasn't even on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, I don't know how you could ever complain about giving the fans what they want. 
right? I mean, obviously, there's beloved things from those original trilogies. So, you know, incorporating similarities didn't bother me at all because, again, I felt it was a completely different plot line. You know, even though there may be, you know, similar things and obviously character overlap. Other than that, I mean, it's a brand new story, brand new, you know, kind of direction. So it really didn't bug me at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I look at it is if A New Hope was a novel and The Force Awakens was the film adaptation of that novel, people would be freaking out about how different it was from, from, the, from the original. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there, there's definitely some allusions to, to four, and I think that there's some some of the the narrative structure that that is used in four and is used in a gazillion other places in storytelling but those are good things i mean that that that's what makes continuity within the franchise and that that's what just makes good storytelling overall so i I felt like the the things that looking back on it are parallels are some of the reasons that i really like this movie so so i i think you know to kind of echo you guys's point too like to say that you you remind people of the original Star Wars is is about the highest compliment you can give a Star Wars movie. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I, I've I've heard people say you that know, the, Attack of the Clones did not remind me of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> You're talking to a sympathizer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've heard people say that that they you know ripped off Episode Four uh, with it with the Force Awakens that they had new no new ideas with a, with the Force Awakens. I completely disagree. I, I look at yeah. ep- Episode Seven as if this makes any sense more of an echo, an echo back yeah. to uh, you know the original film. It, it's not a copy. It's an echo. You know, it's a reverberation from. From a from a time that's passed, and you have, you know, uh, tentacles of story to back to to older characters. Um, you you have a faction of evil that is in the process of making the same mistakes that its forefathers made. And ha- how often do we see that in our own society? I mean, these are not things that are stretches, you know. Um, I thought honestly, it you know, for if you want to compare the Star Wars galaxy as as much to real life as you could, then it, it was it actually made a lot of sense, you know, to see sort of history repeat itself in a way. Yeah. And again, I, I will say though, to John's point, I, and I think you made you stated this on the forum uh, several weeks ago. Uh, you know, we are we are saying these things lovingly for the time being. If Episode Eight opens on an icy planet and it's called uh both uh then we're going to have concerns i'm going to have concerns at that point (laughs) i'd still like it (laughs) i I would too (laughs) all right guys moment of truth time uh on a five star scale you can use half points or half stars what do you rate the force awakens chris we'll start with you let john take all right. Um, listen, I'm always reluctant to give a five because I always think that there's things that could be improved. So, I mean, I would really have to go four and a half on this one. You know, I think for me, um, you know, if you want to look at that on how I rate things, you know, let's just in terms of Star Wars movies, Empire would be a five for me. Um, you know, I think the original would be about a four and a half. So, 
you know, I hate to say that it's tied and people are going to go, how could you tie it? But there were really a lot of aspects that I enjoyed. And listen, you know, while it's, it's the time. So listen, I enjoy the special effects. I enjoy the visual visualization. And the old one had that, so don't get me wrong. You know, New Hope had all of that for the time. Um, but for me in this age, I really just give the, the edge on, on some of those things. You know, obviously from a comparison standpoint and from a significant standpoint, New Hope far, you know, out, outweighs this by far. Uh, but, you know, I think in terms of me tying them, there were just definitely different aspects that I enjoyed from either that kind of put them on an even playing ground for me. Yeah, and I think for as much as we revere the original trilogy, there's lots of weaknesses to those movies. You know, they're, they're, they're not perfect. And so I think that mm-hmm. to say that this movie wasn't perfect and therefore, you know, it's difficult to compare it, I, I'm not sure I'd buy that. But I, I think I, I look at it more as what I'm anticipating from from 8 and 9. And so, you know, I, I'd, I think I'd probably say a 4 just in anticipation of, of hopefully giving the next installments kind of an even higher grade. Because I, I, I really do think that's kind of what they're setting it up for. I, th- I think that... I, I think they've studied the original trilogy well enough to know that there's incredible potential there for a great second installment, a darker second installment. And, and my hope is that they can kind of, with the third installment, do a lot of the things that, that Jedi got right, but also kind of do a little bit better because there, there are some weak points in Jedi. So, you know, I, I'm saying a four for, for the hope that, you know, the next time we do this, I can say, okay, well, well, you know, eight is my, my five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I probably ought to cushion that same way, John. But I'm I'm not going to. I, I really love the film. Um, it is really my, you know if you ask me right now. Well, if 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 you go see it six times and don't give it a high score, you're kind of, you know, <laughs> judging yourself. Scotty gives it a one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's not that's not a science, John. I did see the Phantom Menace eleven times in the theater. We've established this. Yeah. <laughs> I would not yeah, give it. Have. I would not give it a four and a half. So, um, I, I am going to give the Force Awakens a four and a half. It is at this point, I believe my my second favorite um, Star Wars film. I give it a four and a half simply um, because I love Empire so much, and I give Empire five stars. Uh, it doesn't quite rise to the level of of Empire. Uh, of course, the, the interviews that I have read. Looking forward to episode eight, indicate that it will be uh, just just outstanding. I mean, there, there's a lot that's already been said about about the script and so on. Um, so maybe we'll see more of a more of an echo of a darker tone in the next film that will be reminiscent of Empire. But that that's that's to be seen. For now, um, TFA, yeah, yeah, four and a half. I think is a good place. It's. Um, it's it's certainly worthy of, of standing alongside the the classic trilogy in my mind and and just judging by your scores I think that I think that the two of you also agree. Yeah. Hey, do you guys mind if I go Excellent. off script for one uh, one more question? Go for it. What are, what are your guys' opinions of uh, you know the upcoming Rogue One? You know, I think I wouldn't mind uh, you know discussing that. Obviously, since we've been talking a lot about the new the new Star Wars, it's not directly related to this. But how do you guys feel? I think. Rogue One, I'm really excited about just because it's a story that everyone has a little bit of familiarity with. It's a time that, you know, for Star Wars fans is is incredibly interesting. 
I'm a, mm-hmm. the the ones that I'm a little bit more nervous about is the the Han Solo movie and the and the Boba Fett movie. Um, gotcha. and, and they might be great, but I just I I'm, I have it, it's more difficult for me to envision how those are going to be great than than for Rogue One. Rogue One, I'm I'm, I'm pretty gotcha. excited about. Yeah, I, I actually echo uh, echo your comments, John, on that. Uh, I'm looking very very forward to Rogue One. I think uh, it, it's it's going to be. Pretty outstanding film. I do have some some degree of nervousness for the other two films for various reasons. And in fact, Chris, we uh, we get into get into that a little bit in in a separate uh, separate show here on this on the Star Wars uh, theme. So uh, I guess I'll leave my comments at that for now. But uh, perfect. Anyway, guys, that's a wrap for the official BDL The Force Awakens review. Thanks again to our panel of super geeks. We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, don't forget. To complete this special BDL radio trilogy by tuning in to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and the prequel perspective, and Star Wars, A New Galaxy Far, Far Away. May the Force be with you.